Hello and welcome to a new episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr, where we talk about the art and culture of running an independent record label. And we have another new episode in our series on sync licensing. And today I want to talk about how to prepare your audio for sync. And now this is kind of like a technical episode, but why is it important? Why is it something that we should focus on? Well, the reason being is that when you get into the sync licensing world, as you start to develop contacts with music supervisors, or you have your music in a music library, or if you have a sync agent who's representing you, things are gonna come at you really fast, out of the blue. In fact, I got an email just recently um, requesting a really, really specific song, a really, really specific um, need for a, a, a very specific pitch. And it came on a Friday afternoon in the middle of the summer, and it would they were begging for it to come in over the weekend and ideally before Monday. And so the point is, is that these things come really quickly and they come when you least expect it. And so if you are organized, if you have your catalog in various different formats available in the cloud or neatly organized in an Excel sheet or a Google sheet uh, or in folders in the cloud or on your hard drive, that when these random things happen and you're sitting on a beach somewhere and there's the $5,000 opportunity to have one of your songs on your label's catalog pitched or to be used somewhere, you want to be able to draw it super quickly. And so we want to talk about the benefits of being organized in today's episode. And I also wanted to talk about some of the technical requirements that you're going to need to have your files ready and available for that will just increase your chances of getting used. Because if you are lucky enough to develop a relationship with a music supervisor or you have a sync agent who's representing you and something comes your way and now you even have a chance to pitch and so you've now narrowed the field from millions of people down to maybe 100 or even just down to five or six different song options. If you're the one with a low quality MP3 and you can't offer a wave and you can't offer instrumentals or stems, then you're probably not going to get the gig. And so we want to increase your chances of getting the gig. And that's what today's episode is all about. Speaking of staying organized, I have this catalog. Uh, it's a it's a catalog database template, which is a mouthful. But basically, I just created a spreadsheet as an example to show you how to keep your record labels catalog organized. Now, even if you don't plan on getting into the sync licensing world, you should use this or you should use something like it just to list all of your songs, all of your artists, your artist contact information, the songwriter information for each of the songs, the ISRCs and, and the uh, ISWCs, the IPI numbers, which are the um, the the PRO uh, identification numbers for each of your songwriters. There's just so many, so much data that needs to be collected and ingested when you're bringing on a new artist. It would be really great if you had this in a centralized location. If you don't have this, you could set it up and it might take you an entire week to set up fully but then you have it and you can always keep it up to date and it's really handy for you to have. So check it out. It's part of our, it's in our free kind of toolkit for sync licensing toolkit. So just go to otherrecordlabels.com slash sync and you can download it in inside. It contains this catalog database that you can um, enter your own information in. So otherrecordlabels.com slash sync. We've already touched on some of the benefits of staying organized, but there are three things I just want to highlight before we talk about how um, the type of files that we need to have on hand. But there's three benefits of staying organized. Number one 
is just the awareness of your own catalog. And so I had this pitch come in that was super specific, had really specific lyric needs and even specific genre needs. And it had regional requirements. They needed the artist to be from a certain country. So really specific needs. And so I think keeping your catalog organized and even writing down the genres and the moods of each of the songs in your catalog, or at least the songs that you think are most pitch friendly, it, it creates this awareness of your own catalog so that when these specific pitches come, you can be like, you know what? Actually, I think I know that because we've printed off all the lyrics for this such and such album. And I remember that this song might fit this pitch. And so staying organized and taking the time to kind of create this catalog database and creating folders in the cloud that organizes all of your songs will give you awareness of your catalog so that when somebody out of the blue asks you, do you have a song that sounds like this? Well, then you might have a better chance of knowing if you do, especially if your record label gets any anything over 10 releases. When you start to get 20, 30, 40 releases, now you're talking about 300 to 400 songs. That's a big deal. And that's a lot to keep organized. The second reason you should stay organized is the benefit of creating an audio checklist for future releases. And so we talk about how difficult it is to um, get your catalog organized if you've been around for a while and you've never thought to organize your the catalog and all of the songs on your record label. But now that you have that set up, when you bring on new artists, you can develop a certain little checklist. And so when you release a new album, and I have this with my record label, but when I release an album, it's like, I'm going to need uh, the artist to provide me with a Google Doc of all their lyrics. Anytime we release something, I always make sure the artist provides me with that. Oftentimes, it's a, a nuisance for them because they now have to go through their iPhone notes and their physical notepad and consolidate everything and type up their lyrics. They always hate doing it, but I need to have that because people ask for it all the time. We put it into the um, the digital distributor so that the lyrics are added to Spotify and to Apple Music. And then if for for publishing and for licensing opportunities, people need to know their lyrics. And so there's a huge list of things that I ask an artist for. I'm even doing things like uh, doing a little, hey, this I'm so-and-so and you're listening to Pandora, you know, check out my new album because those little bumpers are something that we eventually are required to do. So there's all these little things that I just create like this checklist. And so getting organized with your catalog for sync licensing is helpful because then when you're getting ready to release or you're preparing a new release for your record label, there are things you just need to know. No, there are things you know you need to have. That's a mouthful. And finally, like I said at the beginning, it's just important because of how fast these music supervisors work. And they always will send you an email and they'll be super apologetic. But they know that they're dangling this like $1,000 or $10,000 or $100,000 carrot over you. And so if they ask you to provide them with an MP3 in within six hours, they are super apologetic, but they know it's not a big ask and they know that you'll drop everything and you'll do it. But it's just important that you're organized. And so when I had this pitch come on Friday, there was a song in mind that I thought could fit. I don't think it is the right fit, but it was the closest to the pitch that I had. And I had an instrumental version, which we'll talk about in a minute. And I had a um, just the regular MP3 version and I had the waves on file. I knew I had them on file. And so what I did was I sent the MP3 that had metadata already attached in the email. 
I copied and pasted the lyrics because I had them in a Google Doc already. And I pasted those into the email. I gave some stats about the song, how well it was performing on streaming, and just some information about the song. I actually didn't provide the key or the BPM, which probably wasn't a big deal, but I probably could have included in that because I had that in my database. So I could have included the BPM, but I forgot to. And then I also included a Dropbox link because I didn't want to overwhelm their inbox, but I included a Dropbox link for the an MP3 of the instrumental version so that they could hear that as well. And then I just told them, I also have the stems available upon request because I don't need to overwhelm them because I'm probably not going to be picked for this gig, but I want them to know that I have the waves and I have the stems. So the final reason to stay organized and to keep your catalog as a record label organized is just how fast these music supervisors and film editors work. And they're always on a super tight deadline. Um, why they don't plan ahead. I don't know, but no, I'm just joking. Uh, it's just such so many moving parts. And so when they're ready for a song, they need it super quick. Okay. Let's talk about three areas where we need to make sure we have covered when it comes to our catalog and the songs we represent. There are three different um, topics I want to touch on, and we're going to talk about the technical side of, of getting your catalog organized. We already talked about the spreadsheet where you talk about the genres and the BPMs and the songwriters. We're not going to touch on that right now. What we're going to talk about is three areas. We're going to talk about the different song versions that you should have that will increase your chances of getting sync. We're going to talk about actual technical audio files. And then we're going to talk real quick about metadata. So number one is the different song versions. And so there's three song versions that I think you should have. Obviously, the normal studio version, but we're, that's not included in the three. The first and absolutely essential nowadays is instrumental versions. And so it's very simple. If you're involved in the mixing process or even in the mastering process, if you can mute the vocals and have a mixed and mastered version of the same song, but with the vocals and the background vocals, don't forget those guys, muted, then that's very, very essential. Why? Well, because if you're an editor and you're putting a song into a scene, you're obviously putting it under dialogue, or there's going to be moments where the vocalist in the song is singing a part of the song and then the dialogue comes in. But what if they want that song to be seamless? And so what if they really only want you to sing the first two lines of the song? Then there's dialogue in the scene that goes over the second half of the verse. And then the, the singer comes back in for the chorus. And so however the editor wants to use the song, it's so good if they have a, of an instrumental version that is mixed and mastered in the exact same way so they can seamlessly seamlessly cut in and out of the artist's vocals to, to fit the picture better. And in some cases, they just love the track, but they don't want the vocals at all. Or they really, if it's a commercial, they might run an instrumental for the entirety of the 30 or 60 second commercial. And then at the very last second, they might have the last line of the chorus come in. And so whatever it is they want to do, they want to have the instrumental. And I think in one of the interviews we did recently, instrumentals used to be optional, but they're essentially mandatory these days. The second version that you should have is uh, minimal versions. And so this is not mandatory, but this is something, now I have most of my sessions available in Pro Tools on demand, but this is something that I have had requested for where it's not just an instrumental. It's like a hyper minimal version of an instrumental because instrumentals will still have 
solos and they'll still have moments where it sounds like a song, but with the vocals missing, you know that something's different. Whereas a minimal version has the lead lines removed. It has any kind of like heavy dynamics removed. And so all that's essentially left is like the, the bed of the synthesizers and the bass and the drums and the percussion. And then maybe just a steady guitar, guitar strummings, piano playing. But any wild solos or very harsh lead lines are taken out. And so these are minimal versions. And these are versions of your song that might get used where the vocals are never used at all. It might get used in like the background of a documentary um, or a DVD menu or some sort of um, kind of benign purpose where the song is really low in the mix and they just don't want anything cutting through that would distract from the dialogue or just from distract from the overall picture. Again, having a minimal version is not necessary. And because of how much, how many songs are in your catalog, then you might just want to have a minimal version for some of your best songs. Every album has one or two standout tracks that you think might be most likely to be licensed. And so maybe you only pay to have a minimal version and an instrumental version created and mixed and mastered of those tracks that you think are most likely to be to, to, to be synced. And again, a minimal version is not necessarily, it's just a real nice to have. And then finally moving down the chain is stems. Again, not generally required, but really nice to have. And if you have the sessions on file and if you're locked in to get a big sync deal and it's worth it for you to go back to your mixing engineer and say, hey, can you mix me down the stems? Um, and you know, it might cost you a couple hundred bucks. Uh, and if it's just one song, it shouldn't really be a big deal. So there's no sense in really having your mix engineer create all the stems for all of the songs on all of your albums. If the artist wants to do that, if they're probably getting people to remix their music, then it's always great to have. It's always great to have stems in a Dropbox folder somewhere. You never know. A film editor could say, listen, I love the drums on this track. If you could get me the drums and bass just for this track, you know, I can license it for X, Y, Z. So don't go out of your way to have stems. But if you know that you can make them in a hurry, let the music supervisor know. Uh, they're really nice to have. I just want to clarify, if I say stems and, and I'm realizing people may not know what that means. Well, stems are essentially, and, and, and uh, multi-tracks, I think they've been called before as well, but stems are essentially all of uh, the similar instruments mixed down to, in a song, mixed down to a, a single file. So all of the drums for, let's say you muted all the instruments in a song and you just heard the drums, you would create a wave file that is just the drums. And then another wave file that's just the bass. And then another wave file that is maybe all of the synths mixed together or the individual keyboards you could do a stem for. But a lot of times people will maybe create only like five or six stems for a, a song where it's <clears throat> all of the vocals on one stem, all of the background vocals on another stem, all of the keyboards and synths on another, all of the bass on another, all of the guitars on another, and then all the drums and percussion on another. And then if there's any like other kind of interesting sound effects or instruments, then that can be a different stem. A lot of the uh, the effects and everything are all baked into those files so that in in, in a, essentially if you were to stack all of those stems on top of each other and listen to them back, it should sound like the original song. <clears throat> so those are stems and they're they're not necessary to have. Moving on to number two. 
you need to have the, these are the various audio files that you should have. A WAV file is essential. Now, you don't need to send these because these are big files. AIFF are also a high quality version. FLAC is not really used. That's more for music collectors. Um, that's I don't think that editors would appreciate that. But WAV files are essential. They can just be the normal CD quality. They don't need to be like the higher... Uh, vinyl uh, 24-bit. So just the normal WAV file is essential to have. Now, what's interesting, and you'll hear this in a lot of our interviews on sync licensing, is it's just important to have these on file, to have a Dropbox, links, a Dropbox link or a Google Drive link of these files on file. Um, but that's not how music supervisors are going to want to receive the file. They're going to want to receive an MP3 version so that the editor can use it tested in the track. And then when they're ready, they'll ask you for the high quality. So you want to have the high quality available, but when you are pitching, you just are going to pitch with the MP3. And so that's the second file type you need is an MP3 with metadata. So an MP3 can contain metadata, which means if they right click on the file or if it's dropped into a media player, it, it comes with it the artwork and the artist name and the album name and more information like the BPM, which is the tempo, uh, the genre, the year it was recorded, uh, and some notes, maybe lyrics. There's lots of different things you can include in the metadata. You can add metadata. You can do it in Bandcamp and then download the file from Bandcamp. You can add the files to your iTunes library, then make all of the right click on the track and, and, and select get info, I believe. Uh, and then add all the metadata there and then grab that file from your iTunes folder and share that. That's one way. There might be some software out there to add metadata, but it's really important that if you send an MP3 that's like final mix dash one, 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 two, two, you send that to a music supervisor, they're gonna be like, Hey, I love this track. I want to use it in a TV commercial, but I don't know who it's from. There's no metadata. There's not even a file name. So it's important that you name the file, but it's even more important that in the metadata, you include things like the album name, genre, BPM. And so that is metadata and that can't be added to waves, but it can be added to MP3s. And the final version of an audio file that you should have, which is a nice to have, is a streaming version. And a lot of publishers and music supervisors will use a platform like Disco or SoundCloud or Bandcamp. And so it's really nice if you can have a website or some sort of private way for people to view your catalog and just to stream it. Because if I was a music supervisor and I and I was being introduced to a new record label and this record label was like, hey, check out our music, you know, we specialize in, um, you know, authentic Southern hillbilly music. And they're like, oh, a music supervisor is like, oh, cool. I don't know any record labels that do that. Let's check out their music. Well, they don't want you to send them Dropbox links with tons of WAV files. They don't even really want you to send them like 20 MP3s or two MP3s. It'd be really handy if they you could send them to a private link that has like a private Bandcamp playlist of some of your best tracks that they can just stream and keep on file or a SoundCloud link that's private or Disco is a platform you should check out that a publisher would use or a music supervisor would use. And this way they can kind of get a taste of your catalog without having to download anything or organize anything on their computer. They could just save your email in a folder or save this link somewhere um, where they can stream. So having a stream, um, a site that, that allows people to stream some of your music can be really handy to have. It's not necessary, but it's will increase your chances of, of, of developing a great relationship with a music supervisor. 
And the final thing I want to mention that will increase your chances of getting a sync placement is just organizing your metadata. We talked about this in the MP3 section, but adding a, a metadata to your MP3s, which includes lyrics and songwriter and composer details and genres, but also using the spreadsheet that I talked about at the beginning, whether you use my free template or whether you create your own version in Google Sheets that you can share with the artists and the people on your team and with music supervisors and with your sync agent, with your publisher, but using a spreadsheet to keep track of things like ISRCs, which are the the codes that they use for streaming. Those are just good to have. Some um, publishers will ask for that. Some sync people will ask for that. IPI numbers, um, which is the individual uh, number that your PRO gives specific songwriters. ISWC, which is International Standard Work Code. And so that's like an ISRC, but it's used for just for PROs and for publishers. And so it assigns a specific code to a song that's been written, not necessarily a recording. That's what an ISRC is for, but an ISWC is a code for an, the actual composition and not the recording. So there are so many pieces of data that you need to have organized. And so it's important that you create the spreadsheet that we talked about and that you add a lot of this metadata to any of the MP3s that you're going to be sharing with people that you're pitching your music to. I know this is a lot, a little bit boring, but it's important to know. Uh, and I just, I hope that you found it helpful. I, 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 it's not something that, you know, you might just put this on your to-do list and say, okay, listen, I've got to get everything organized. So this is going to be my job for the month of December when I'm not busy or whatever. So I know it's a lot to undertake, but if you're going to get into the world of sync licensing, it's really important that you're organized because when something comes your way, you want to be ready to respond as quickly as possible. You want to look professional and you want to get them the tracks that they need and that they want to use your song in a commercial or in a documentary or a TV show or whatever you're lucky enough to get. So I hope you found this helpful. Go to otherrecordlabels.com slash sync, which is our entire hub for sync licensing, which includes the template download that I talked about, some other free resources and all of our episodes and frequently asked questions from this series on sync licensing. Otherrecordlabels.com slash sync. <laughs>